أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد By Allah Ta'ala's fadl, we've reached this Mubarak 20th night of Ramadan. Inshallah, from tomorrow night, the Ashara Awakhir will start the last 10 nights of Ramadan. And they are holy and blessed nights precisely because uh, they are described by the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as being characterized by Itqum min nar that there is an intensity of Allah Ta'ala's commuting the sentences of those who are otherwise destined to go to the hellfire. And perhaps even more than that, in those 10 nights is uh, to be Laylatul Qadr. Allah Ta'ala describes the Laylatul Qadr in his Mubarak book as khayrun min alfi shahr, as being more intense in its goodness than a thousand, the concentrated goodness of a thousand months. And uh, it comes to it comes to so many decades of worship, of remembrance, of goodness. So these are times if you have an ability to take time off from work, you should take them out in these nights. If you have an ability to put things to the side and deal with them later, like as in 10 plus days later, then deal with them 10 plus days later. If you have the ability to do something, to give something, if you have any gas left in the tank, now's the time to burn it. Uh, for the sake of Allah, may Allah Ta'ala accept from you and from me, and may Allah Ta'ala give us uh, a high maqam. May Allah Ta'ala spare us and protect us from those distractions and from those heedlessness, heedlessnesses and from those uh, circus uh, nonsense things on the side which will steal these Mubarak moments from us. Ameen. So we continue uh, with the... Life of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria rahimahullah ta'ala, he uh, relates a number of anecdotes from uh, the life of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu and from his sayings. Uh, he says the human mind is unable to assess the exceptionally high degree of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu's humility. Uh, in spite of being the emperor of emperors and the king of the Arab in the Ajam, meaning he was the undisputed ruler of the Arabs, and he had in his hand Egypt and Syria and the Sasanian Persian Empire, and uh, the Byzantine Roman state was being brought to heel uh, at his behest, uh, in spite being the most powerful sovereign of his age. When he mounted the mimbar to deliver a khutbah, uh, he sat on the step which Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq who used to stand on. Uh, when it was said to him to sit higher on the pulpit so that more people could see and hear him, he would reply, it suffices me to sit in the place where the feet of Abu Bakr anhu used to stand. Meaning he used to have not only humility, but honor and veneration for the Ahlullah. Uh, and this despite him being a person of no uh, small maqam in the ummah and uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah ta'ala Bless us with the fuyud of what Allah gave him from his grace. Amin. One day uh, during the khutbah, he said, O people, do not increase 
the uh, do not increase the mahr, the dowry of women uh, when they marry. If the mahr is uh, fixed more than the mahr of the wives of the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the daughters of the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, I shall confiscate the extra amount and hand it to the Beitul Mal, to the public treasury. An old woman challenged him, saying, "What right do you have to do so when Allah Taala says uh, in the Quran?" If you have given them mounds of wealth, then don't take back any of it. Meaning Allah Ta'ala warned people not to uh, take back or to stint or to uh, eat any part of the mahr, the, the bridal dowry of a bride. And although it's in the context of the husband, not the state, but she quoted this ayah and upon hearing uh, 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 this uh, old woman's chastisement. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu came down from the minbar and exclaimed, all the people have more knowledge than Umar, even uh, the old lady. Now this is a very interesting, uh, is a very interesting anecdote that happened from the life of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And uh, there's a couple of things that I would like to bring up when discussing it. Firstly, the challenge that this old woman did to Sayyidina Umar anhu, in a sense was accepted uh, and it was in fact correct from a particular angle which a lot of people miss which is what? which is that if the mahar is set very high and both parties agree to it then the state does not have the ability or the right to confiscate any part of that mahar that was agreed to uh, but what people oftentimes use this anecdote to prove uh, nowadays is that somehow having a high mahar or an exorbitant dowry is okay or a good thing, which is absolutely not. In fact, the Messenger of Allah uh, himself uh, said that there's barakah in having short engagements and having small mahars. And I've seen myself marriages with huge mahar amounts and there's no barakah in that amount whatsoever. There's no barakah in that amount whatsoever. And I've also seen those marriages that have um, simple and humble amounts in their mahar. Uh, what the mahar of Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu anha is, what the mahar of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam are, all of them are smaller amounts. The amount to something $500, $700, $1,000, $1,500, dollars $2,000, $3,000, nothing much more than that. Uh, that these amounts uh, that are were okay for the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and for his Mubarak wives, our mothers alayhinna salam, and for his precious daughters, the most precious daughters in the creation uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, what was okay for them is okay for us as well. And there's a type of sickness in valuing yourself uh, by a, a dollar amount and valuing others in dollar amounts. Uh, this is something, sadly, it's so common amongst human beings that you're not going to really be able to shake it. You cannot preach enough uh, why it's a sickness to value yourself or to value others based on material uh, metrics. It's just so ingrained in the human condition that we're never going to get the upper hand over it. But that doesn't necessarily, I mean, you have to like accept that that's going to be a thing and you have to deal with it. You have to contend with it. You have to negotiate with it. But that's very different than saying somehow that, no, it's good. And like, you know, that like to 
promote and to advise people and to advocate for people to have high mahar amounts. Uh, and us being a community where I've seen this again and again, um, where sadly our sisters, uh, you know, one issue is yes, they can say that they don't have, they don't find uh, suitable men to marry. And that's also an issue. I'm not going to deny that. Um, and it should also be addressed and it is addressed and it will be addressed. Uh, however, at the same time, to super uh, nitpick the snot out of marriage proposals and then to make so many barriers to what otherwise would be very normal and good marriages uh, to the point where uh, the lives of young men and young women pass them by and they just don't get to move on because they're waiting for some phantom, uh, you know, uh, perfect type of marriage, whether it's boys or girls and their lives pass them by and you know, sadly, uh, but again, a reality that is, we, we have to accept it. We're not going to be uh, benefited in any way, shape or form by not accepting a reality. The reality is, is that the wastage of time in this matter is far harsher on women than it is on men due to things that have to do more with, more with genetics and biology than any sort of social construct or uh, or patriarchy or whatever, uh, toxic masculinity or any of those things. And so I mention all of this to say that don't take this anecdote out of its context and try to make it mean something that it doesn't mean. Uh, Sayyidina Umar was right. People should not have extortionate mahar amounts. And I've seen those extortionate mahar amounts and they are the custom in a certain number of countries and cultures. Uh, and people I've seen, literally men will sell their daughters to people uh, in order to uh, get that mahar and then they, they themselves eat from it. And the person who, quote unquote, buys a woman uh, with these ridiculous uh, $30,000, $100,000, $50,000 uh, 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 mahar amounts, that person also doesn't have respect for his wife. Uh, their uh, relationship doesn't get off to a good start. And it often is filled with resentment. Uh, when the ups and downs of life happen. And it's not a good thing. It's There's not khair in it. There's not barakah in it. It should be sufficient to everybody that it's a mukhalafa. It's uh, a, a going against the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which everybody you know seems to like when it's time to hear a fancy uh, edition of the burda and like wave around a pin or a flag with the uh, sandal, uh, the naqsh of the na'al sharif of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam on it. But... When it's actually time to practice, you know, then you see what people's actual aqaid and their actual beliefs are and what their actual priorities are in life. And yes, it is permissible. Uh, just like it's also permissible for me to, uh, you know, wear cufflings made out of platinum with uh, $10,000 $10,000 uh, worth of diamonds in them. And it's also permissible for me to, you know, give a khutbah without a shirt on. And it's also permissible for a number of things to happen. But it doesn't mean that they're a good idea. And the sunnah is against all of these things. And uh, the, the sunnah is our najat. Our salvation lies within it. Uh, so don't get the, the script wrong. That this old woman, she uh, rightly corrected Sayyidina Umar and he also very magnanimously and rightly took the correction that the state does not have the right to interfere or to seize or to confiscate uh, any part of a mahar that, that's agreed upon by both parties, even if it's a stupid amount, even if it's a dumb amount that's going to end up harming both parties. But the, the state doesn't have a right to nullify that transaction and uh, Allah knows best. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria rahimullah ta'ala continues, he says, the food that he ate, radiallahu anhu, was such that not even a poor person would be inclined to eat it. 
once he had some guests from Iraq, amongst whom were Jarir bin Abdullahi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they were unable to eat the simple food of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In a year, he would acquire only two sets of garments from the Beitul Mal. Only two uh, sets of clothing would be allotted to him. The cloth, too, was of a coarse type. Whenever it would be torn, he would patch it. Sometimes the patch was of leather and sometimes the patch was of sack cloth. Again, patching one's clothes is the sunnah of those who are better than us. And those who had more style than us and those who had more substance than us. If we have to patch our clothes or if we have to do the equivalent of making do with something that may be old and that needs to be repaired instead of, you know, the programmed obsolescence dysfunctionality culture of just buy and throw it away and get some more garbage from China that we currently live in. Uh, um, there's no humiliation in it. In fact, there's only pride and there's only joy and there's only a high nisbah in it. A person should not feel bad about it or humiliate. They should be proud of it that they're following the sunnah of those who are better than us. During his stay in the Beitul Maqdis, his kurta, his tunic shirt, was torn at the back he gave it to somebody to wash and mend. When the washed and patched kurta was brought to him, a new kurta was also presented. A new tunic shirt was also, kamis was presented. This was specially made for him. Both of these shirts were put in front of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Stroking the new shirt with his hand, he commented, the cloth is very soft. So saying, he then returned it. He says, that kurta, uh, meaning his own, uh, it is better and it absorbs perspiration well. Meaning he not only kept it, but he also praised the blessing Allah Ta'ala gave to him. One day, approximately 50 companions from the Muhajireen, from those who immigrated from Makkah Mukarramah to Medina Munawwara, gathered in the masjid. They were discussing uh, Sayyidina Umar's zuhd, his abstinence uh, from this world. It was said, look at Umar, in whose control is the empire of Caesar and the empire of the uh, emperor of the Persians. His orders operate in the east and west. The delegations of the Arabs and the A'ajim, the non-Arabs, they visit him. They all see him with a shirt that has a dozen patches in it. He should be advised to change his clothing. He should wear better garments. Garments do create an impression. He should make better arrangements for his food. There should be some elaborate daily arrangement for both meals. The Muhajirin and the Ansar are coming uh, uh, to meet him. They should also be able to join him in his meals. Although it was resolved to offer this advice to Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, none could muster the courage to tell him. Finally, they decided to ask Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu uh, to tell him. Why? Because he was uh, a person, he respected his knowledge and he respected his maqam uh, in terms of uh, his status amongst the companions. He also respected his uh, qaraba to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his close uh, relation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in blood and lineage. And he was also the father-in-law of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. How was that? That's also a very interesting story that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, lest a person listen to the poisoned words of 
the jackals and hyenas that uh, make some sort of false conspiracy theory that the companions radiallahu ta'ala anhum somehow conspired against the family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and level such an allegation against Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Uh, all of the above, the companions and the family of the Prophet are free from the taint of such a dirty and disgusting accusation. Uh, Sayyidina Umar who actually proposed marriage to one of the daughters of Sayyidina Ali عنه, whose name was Umm Kalthum. Uh, obviously, there was a significant age difference, but this was not something that was abnormal in that time, nor was it abnormal for most human history and most times and places. I'm not saying you have to, or it's a sunnah that you have to like, you know, marry your daughters to someone who's like 20, 30 years older than him. But I'm just saying the sensibilities were uh, different with regards to this thing. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But uh, for them, it was something that was considered normal and they didn't, they didn't mind it. Uh, and we shouldn't mind it for people who don't. Um, just like the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it wasn't minded that he married a woman who was uh, 15 years older than him, say the Khadija, our mother, alayhi salam. Uh, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But uh, if someone else did it, you don't have to resent or speak ill about it. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and so what happened is Sayyidina Ali anhu was himself somewhat surprised at the request, especially given the, the zuhud of Sayyidina Umar anhu, which is mentioned. So he says, that's not a big deal that can happen, but I just want to ask why, you know, why is it that, that, that you, you know, that you're asking this? And Sayyidina Umar anhu gave a very simple answer. He said, it's because I heard the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say that on the day of judgment, no one's relatives will benefit them except for my relatives. Meaning if you have a relation with me, that, that then your kinship bonds will benefit you. And no one's in-laws will be able to benefit them except for my in-laws. And so I wanted to have this qaraba with the Prophet وسلم, and strengthen it. Even though he was already the father-in-law of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, but it was his love that it should be strengthened. And this was a thing amongst the Muslims, amongst the Sahaba anhum, the companions, the tabi'een, the taba tabi'een. Uh, Sayyidina al-Hasan anhu used to receive many, many marriage proposals from the daughters of the tribal chieftains of the Arabs. And he would marry, and then it was understood that he was going to marry, and then he was going to divorce. And um, still, the 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 chiefs and the noblemen of the Arabs would uh, offer their daughters in proposal and for marriage to him. The reason is that they all wanted to have a a bond, a familial bond, and a, a marital bond with the house of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So much so to the point that Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu publicly. Uh, in address to the people of Iraq, he would say, stop doing this because you know he's not going to stay married to them. He's going to marry them for some time and then he will let them go. Uh, and so don't, you know, don't, don't, don't encourage this. Uh, or at least you should know that this is what's going to happen. He would mention it publicly and still the people, the, still the people, there are so many of them that desired this uh, connection with the family of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, their sensibility was different. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But don't don't say anything evil about it because that was their love and that's what happened and that's where it took them. And those were people who were better than us. And there was great khair in them and they were better people than us. And so Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu also with the sensibility, uh, he also proposed marriage to Umm Kulthum, the daughter of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And uh, she was the full sister of Sayyidina al-Hasan al-Hussein, meaning she's the daughter of 
uh, Al-Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And uh, Sayyidina Ali accepted that marriage proposal. When he told him this is the reason, he accepted it and the two of them were married and they actually have progeny that are alive uh, in the ummah to this day. Uh, to this day. And she also, when there was some misunderstanding between Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu and Sayyidina Al-Hasan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, she actually went to her brother Al-Hasan, her older brother, and she <coughs> actually said, look, this is my son-in-law, although he was older than her, but she said, look, this is my son-in-law, he's my mahram, I know him well, and uh, he's not somebody who has anything except for the utmost of love and respect for you. Uh, so, so don't, you know, just because you're in a tight position and politically cramped, don't project onto him what other people do and say. Uh, he actually does uh, love you and respects you uh, quite a bit. And she actually um, herself uh, reconciled between them at a time of misunderstanding. Uh, and so what happened is they said, well, why don't you, well, let's ask Sayyidina Ali anhu, the father-in-law of, the, of, of Sayyidina Umar, uh, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with all of them to have a talk with him to, you know, eat better and dress better. And he declined. He says, no, I'm not going to have that conversation with him. Then afterward, they uh, uh, approached, uh, he su suggested that if you want, maybe you can talk to the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the wives of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because it's known that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu showed the utmost of respect for them and took very particular care that they should be treated with honor and respect and dignity after the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had passed. Uh, in fact, in the last year of his life, he actually... Uh, made arrangements that all of them should go on Hajj as well and have a special escort and special facilitation to make Hajj to the house of Allah Ta'ala. Ahnaf bin Qais radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that they went to Sayyidah Aisha and Sayyidah Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. Sayyidah Aisha being the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Hafsa, Sayyidatuna Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha being the daughter of Umar ibn al-Khattab himself. Both were at the same place. Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha agreed to tell Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. But uh, Sayyidina Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha said uh, that she should not go. But in the view of the insistence of this group of companions, both finally went to Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. They presented an eloquent introductory speech in the matter. He patiently listened to their advice and then broke down crying profusely. He recounted the austerities and the poverty of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then both of the mothers of the believers cried as well. He then commented, Listen, I had two companions. If I adopt a way that differs from their way, which I had observed, I will not be blessed with their companionship in the hereafter. This condition of Sayyidina Umar ta'ala anhu endured until the end, and he did not admit any change to his lifestyle. Hazrat Shaykh Rahimullah Ta'ala writes once while Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu was sweeping the premises of the Baytul Mal, the public treasury, he found a dirham, a silver coin. He gave it to one of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu's grandsons who was at the time a little child. When Sayyidina Umar saw the dirham in the child's hand, he inquired about it. When the child informed him that it was given to him by Sayyidina Abu Musa, uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu became very displeased. 
He took the dirham from the child and reprimanded Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu as followed. O Abu Musa, could you not find a home more contemptible than my home? Meaning, why did you, why did you give this to me? Uh, and he considered it to be uh, a way of unknowingly violating the amana or the trust that was entrusted to him. Toward the end of his life, Sayyidina Umar anhu started to fast in abundance. He would fast the whole year, excluding the five days in which it was I- impermissible to fast. In the Maliki school, um, uh, fasting all of the days is considered to be more meritorious than fasting uh, every other day. Uh, it's considered to be m- more reward. Uh, uh, however, it's not a sunnah in the same sense that it's a sunnah uh, to fast every other day. Um, he adhered rigidly to this practice uh, of uh, fasting day after day in succession. In the 13th year of Hijra, the first year of his uh, caliphate, he appointed Sayyidina Abdurrahman bin Auf as the, um, as the emir of Hajj. Uh, he thereafter went himself every year for Hajj. During his caliphate, he performed 10 Hajjs. In 23, uh, which was the last year of his uh, Khilafah, he took along the mothers of the believers as well, as we had mentioned. His fear of Allah Ta'ala was unparalleled. One day he was reciting, And when he reached the ayah, And when the uh, 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 scrolls will be unfurled, he fell down unconscious and he remained ill for several days. Uh, this is a thing that happened. This is a thing that used to happen. They say that Ibn Wahhab, the the important student of Imam Malik, uh, one of the two most important students of, of Imam Malik, and the second most important transmitter of his fiqh and the most important transmitter of his hadith, rahimahullah ta'ala, that he also passed away in something similar like this, that one of these ayat uh, uh, was uh, read, and he also fell and passed passed from from the shock from it. Um, my own Sheikh, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Sayyid Nafis, he said that my maternal grandfather also was praying Fajr and the same, uh, the same uh, surah, either it was the same surah, Ida Shamsu Kuwirat, or it was Ida Sama'un Fatarat. One of them uh, was being read, and uh, at some point or another, uh, he he saw a vision of the day of judgment and uh, it, it overwhelmed him and he, he passed out and he fell and he, 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 he passed away from that uh, injury that he received. One day he passed by a house where the owner was reciting Surah At-Tur when he heard the man uh, reciting the ayah Inna Indeed, the uh, punishment of your Lord is about to go down. Uh, the torment of your Lord is about to go down. Uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu dismounted and leaned against the wall for a long time. Upon returning home, he, he was ill for nearly a month and people visiting him could not fathom what the cause of his sickness was. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu once uh, dispatched the army under the command of Sariya radiallahu anhu. The enemy had concealed a group of their men to ambush him, uh, ambush them. Uh, from behind uh, a mountain. So he dispatched an army from Medina Munawwara under the command of Sariya and the enemy uh, laid wait in wait in ambush for them on the frontier of Persia. So a very far distance away. When the army was about to walk into the trap, uh, Sariya heard uh, Umar radiallahu anhu's voice 
Yasariyatul Jabal. Yasariyatul Jabal. Osariya, beware of what's behind the mountain. Uh, hearing this uh, command, uh, Saria was alerted and took precaution and avoided what would have been a disaster for the Muslims. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu was delivering the Jummah khutbah when he, uh, uh, when he received the kashf, uh, the uh, intuition, spiritual intuition of this uh, happening. And it was during the Jummah khutbah that he uh, turned and uh, warned Saria uh, 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 radiallahu ta'ala anhu uh, of what was about to happen. And the, uh, uh, the Muslims in Medina Munawwara all witnessed this. And uh, Saria then came back and explained what had happened. And it's very interesting, actually. Uh, mashallah, the haters, they, they have some, you know, there's some real gold medal haters out there. And it's actually an objection that the haters have, uh, those people who uh, hate on Sayyidina Omar. One of their objections that, it, that it's been recorded is that why... Why is he paying attention to Saria while giving the Jummah khutbah? It's as if he's like ignoring the, the Friday prayer. And uh, by any with, anyone with common sense knows that this is a really like a bakwas objection. You know, it's like a, uh, one, there's an anecdote about one of the mashaykh that, uh, that his wife was very abusive to him despite him being a great wali of Allah. And so one of his murids says to him, hey, you should uh, show her a, a miracle, you know, so that she stops abusing you so much because she might, you know, be deprived of iman before she dies because of her enmity to one of Allah's beloved. And the sheikh's like, she's not going to listen. Like, don't waste your time. He's like, no, no, seriously, like you should do something. And so the sheikh's like, what do you suggest? He says, why don't you show her some sort of miracle? He's like, like what? He goes, I want you to fly in the air. Instead of knocking on the door and coming to your house, I want you to fly in the air and then land in the courtyard in front of her. And so the sheikh's like, all right. So he does it. And then uh, uh, <laughs> the wife is like, where were you? You're late. You didn't bring this. You didn't bring that. You're so useless. You're this. You're that. And she started mouthing off to him. And after listening patiently for some minutes, um, he says to her, he says to her, like, kind of confused, like, didn't you just see what happened? She's like, what? He said, didn't you see that I just f literally flew through the air and landed in the courtyard of the house? She's like, yeah, I was wondering why is this wali of Allah Ta'ala flying so crooked? You know, that's, that's, don't be that, don't be that wife. Don't be that wife, but like to everything else, don't be like that. Don't be, don't be like her. Uh, at any rate, so the ulama, they also defended Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. They said that this is the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala includes, you know, uh, dis dispatching all of those all of those things that are from the obligations Allah puts on a person so the welfare and the well-being of the ummah is an obligation a personal obligation on the Amir al-Mu'mineen as part of the Khilafatul Uthma and the Imamatul Uthma and so he was also this was also an act of worship and an act of obedience for him uh, uh, but that's only for the Khalifa you know like you don't don't sit there and watch like BBC uh, news Al Jazeera news updates from your from your phone or if you're so politically inclined Russia today or if you're so politically inclined uh, you know Euro news or if you're so politically inclined uh, whatever other Vox or Atlantic or God knows what uh, people are uh, Vox or Fox or whatever people are into Allah Ta'ala help us all Allah Ta'ala uh, give us from the khair that he gave to his awliya and uh, uh, straighten out our affair for us uh, especially those things that we're trying and failing in uh, and make our affairs straight so that we can meet him uh, on the day of judgment with joy and with honor uh, rather than uh, sulking uh, because we 
did bad with the opportunity Allah gave us, that opportunity which is slipping through our fingers as we speak.